Hi, I'm Amanda. And I'm Rebecca. And this is Full Plate, Full Cup. We're startup leaders turned executive coaches who believe that you deserve to be wildly successful and wildly happy. We interview trailblazing entrepreneurs, business leaders, and creatives so you can peek behind the curtain of how they got where they are today and start carving your own path towards success. Each episode shares personal stories as well as actionable takeaways that you can apply to begin living a more joyful and fulfilling life. Join us to learn how to scale your business, harness your power, and fill your cup. If you like what you hear, subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend. Thanks for listening. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Full Plate, Full Cup podcast. Today, we are coming to you with a very special bonus episode. This is Rebecca. And Amanda. And we're doing something a little bit different today. We are hosting our first ever duo podcast episode to discuss a topic that you are always asking about, and that is burnout. So in case you missed it, we just launched our very first online course, From Burnt Out to Lit Up. This four-week course is designed to walk you step-by-step through beating your burnout for good. And we created this course because of overwhelming requests from all of you to help you beat burnout, right? We put out surveys on Instagram and LinkedIn and said, hey, if we were to create a really comprehensive course on something, what would you want it to be about? And I think like over 80% of you wanted it to be about burnout. So you talk, we listen. Since this topic is so important to you and to us, we source your most burning burnout questions on Instagram and LinkedIn. And in today's episode, we are going to be answering all of them anonymously. So the course kicks off September 10th, and it's designed to be done 100% on your own time in less than 20 minutes each day. So it's suitable for you no matter how busy you are. And for this first cohort only, we'll be hosting bonus weekly live group coaching calls. And by we, I mean Amanda, because I will be on maternity leave. So (laughs) if you're interested in learning more, visit fullplatefullcup.com slash course to sign up and use code podcast, one word, all lowercase podcast for a $30 discount. So let's get to your questions and jump right into it. Amanda, I believe you have the first one. I do. I do. So the first question we got was, what are some early signs of burnout? And there are some that are universally recognized. The World Health Organization actually codified, which you might be familiar with, right? Feelings of exhaustion, uh, increased feelings of fatigue, a little bit more efficacy at your job, right? Reduced professional efficacy. But I wanted to point out a few symptoms of burnout that you might not actually apply to burnout, because I think this could help you see when you're starting to creep into burnout territory. One of them is increased irritability, right? You are reactive, you're triggered AF. When little things, traffic, annoying slacks, right? Little things that that you should hopefully be able to just kind of take, you know, like ride the waves. When you're feeling really on edge, really irritable, that's a sign that you're probably like your tank's pretty empty. Um, difficulty concentrating, right? So difficulty concentrating and procrastination. We hear it from our clients all the time. People love to uh, blame themselves or judge themselves when they're not super focused or they're not like really on task and they don't, you know, they're, they're procrastinating quote unquote. 
And what we want you to understand is many times, it's not that you are a procrastinator. It's not that you aren't very focused. It's that you're just too burnt out to like use your brain anymore. Your brain is like, eh, eh, we done. So the last one that I really want to point out is the one that I think hits the closest to home for me and for Rebecca is when you start to feel negative, cynical, and have a general lack of enthusiasm about life. I mean, it is so heartbreaking when people who are, you know, excited about the work they're doing in the world, excited about life, get to this place of burnout, and then all of a sudden feeling hopeless, feeling negative, feeling, oh, whatever, nothing's going to change. Like, this sucks. Everything sucks, right? Like, that is not just like a personality defect. It is something that can be triggered by burnout. So if you're feeling any of those things, exhaustion, irritability, lack of focus, procrastination, negative, cynical, you might be starting to get burnout. I wish you could have all seen Amanda's face when she was going, we'll have to post that. It was a classic. All right. So the next question is, if you were to suggest one way to begin addressing burnout, what would that be? Um, I guess I'll go first on this one. So, you know, addressing burnout is something that takes time. It's not something that you can will yourself to do. It's not something that you're going to wake up one day and poof, your burnout is gone. Although that would be fabulous if that's how beating burnout works. So my way to address beating burnout is to create mental and physical space for yourself to start right? You can have all the self-care tools in the world. You can book the fanciest spa day. You can go on vacation for a week. But if you haven't created the space in order for those restorative activities to fill your cup, for you to actually relax, to not be worrying about other things, for you to come back to the quote-unquote real world feeling replenished and not anxious about everything you have on your plate, all that stuff is not going to do what it needs to do for you, right? And so before you do any of those wonderful things, you need to create mental and physical space. And this looks like what we call ruthless prioritization, right? So taking kind of like a cold, hard look at your calendar, at all of your obligations, your commitments, your responsibilities, and getting really honest about which of these must I keep? Which of these can I ditch? at least for now, and which of these can I delegate out? So Amanda, what is your first burnout beating suggestion? Yeah, so creating the space is obviously super essential. As Rebecca said, what I would recommend is getting clear with yourself on what the cost is to you, to your life, that you are living in a state of burnout, right? And so some people might resonate more with like, hey, like I'm a bitch when I'm burned out. And it it's bad for my marriage. It's bad for my kids. It's bad for my employees. It's bad for you know my clients, right? For other people, it might really be like, hey, I'm doing something I used to love. And now I don't even enjoy it anymore. Or I've forgotten why I've started. Or I'm having fantasies of like ending my career and like going and, you know, living in the forest somewhere. Right. So you want to get really clear on what the cost is because we can spend a lot of times being like, it's fine. It's not that big of a deal. Everybody's like this. I'm just tired. I'm just, it'll be better in a week or two weeks or six weeks or, you know, the, the weeks keep going on. Right. And so in our course, obviously we walk you through like a million different little exercises, micro exercises to do this. But if you're doing this 
on your own, I would literally sit down and write yourself a letter. Hey, self, you've been really XYZ lately. It, it hurts to see you X, Y, and Z, right? It hurts to see you losing your temper with your kids when you get home from work because you're so exhausted. It hurts to see you pl plopping in front of your laptop all day on a Sunday when the sun is shining outside, when you've already got an eye twitch, right? Like get clear on what the cost is in the present moment and to your future, right? Get clear on the cost as that might actually compel you to then take further steps to actually get out of the sort of whole, you know, burnout feels like being in a ditch, right? And you got to claw your way out of it. So get clear that you're in the ditch and that you don't deserve to be in a ditch or want to be in a ditch. And that might give you the motivation you need to start climbing out of it. So on a similar note, we got this question, which I get this one a lot now that we've been talking about burnout, which is I feel like I'm too busy to even begin addressing my burnout, which has me feeling totally stuck. What should I do? So this is a question where I'm going to give a little bit of tough love. Um, and that is, if you tell yourself you are too busy to do something, you will be too busy to do something, right? When you think about fitness, when you think about a side hustle, when you think about, think about if you are somebody who has a child, right? Before you had kids, you thought you were too busy to do anything else. And then you had a kid and it's like, oh shit, now I'm living a double life, but it works, right? So when you tell yourself, hey, I'm too busy to do this, you've already like, you've written your own story, right? You've, you've told yourself that you are too busy. And so that is a self-fulfilling prophecy. What you need to tell yourself is, hey, I'm super busy, but I've got five minutes and I'm going to start with that, right? Start with the five, start with, you know, five minutes once a day, maybe move to five minutes twice a day. You have to really tell yourself what you want to be real and it will become real. And I don't mean that in a woo-woo or manifestation way. It's just the truth. Uh, and you could probably think of a million examples in your life where something got added into invisible space that didn't exist previously. Um, and the last thing I'll say about this is if you are too busy now, you will always be too busy. Like it's not going to just go away. People always say, oh, I got to get through this week and then things will get better. No one has ever gotten through to that week where things get better, like ever, it, it, like in the history of human life, it's never happened. So don't tell yourself lies, tell yourself the truth. And the truth is, hey, you're busy, but you do have five minutes. All right. The next question is, how do you find balance day to day so that over time you don't finally one day rest and realize you're burnt out AF? Love this question, but before I address it, I first want to talk about the word balance, right? Balance is this illustrious thing we hear about work-life balance, and it is tricky, if not damn impossible to achieve balance, right? Because the reality of life is that it ebbs and flows. There's just going to be peak periods when outside responsibilities or work or family or this giant project that you're working on demand the majority of your energy and time. And then there's going to be valley periods where you find yourself with more freedom. You find yourself with more time to do the things you love and the things that fill your cup, right? So one of our podcast guests, Joelle Leon, used this phrase that I love. I think Amanda and I both think about this often, which is work-life harmony, right? How do you look at your life and all of the elements in it as almost like this orchestra that's playing together, right? Sometimes the drums turn up. Sometimes you hear the violins. Sometimes you hear an oboe solo out of left field, but it's this beautiful harmony that works together. 
so that there's nothing wrong with it per se at any phase of the song that the orchestra is playing, but it's just the way that it flows together. So now to move on to your question, I'm going to give two main steps to find work-life harmony. We're replacing balance day to day so that one day you don't wake up and say, oh my God, I'm burnt out AF. The first step is to make time for you every day. Amanda in the last question talked about, you know, making just five minutes. And I think that when you said that, Amanda, I was like, what a beautiful segue into my answer to the next question. The time for you every day, it doesn't need to be perfect or dogmatic or look a certain way or happen at the same time, seven days a week, right? But if you can commit to five, 10, 15 minutes, whenever it fits into your schedule, and that might differ on a day-to-day basis, of doing something that brings you back to yourself and reconnects you with your joy, it adds up over time, right? Think of it as putting like a nickel or a dime into a piggy bank. Every day, it doesn't sound like a lot of money. It's not a giant sacrifice or a big deal. You need to remember to do it. (laughs) But over time, that piggy bank is going to be full, right? And so that brings me to the second part of my answer which is to consistently check in with yourself in a compassionate, non-judgmental way, right? Because burnout is one of those things that can creep up on you. And if you let your burnout creep up on you, then you are going to wake up one morning feeling burnt out AF, right? So kind of on a consistent basis, daily, weekly, monthly, you can even write it in a journal to hold yourself accountable. Ask yourself questions like, how am I feeling? What do I need? What's draining me? How can I reduce the impact of those things that are draining me, right? So by not leaving your burnout or how you're feeling unchecked, you are going to put yourself in a position to succeed in preventing your burnout. I love that. Throw SF as you are known to be, which I love. Um, The next question I actually want to kind of just read because it was very specific and I think many of you can relate to it. So nothing feels particularly replenishing as a form of self-care. I feel like I squander my time doing nothing and then berate myself for wasting it. But when I go through the list of my so-called restorative activities, none of them really hit or they are hard to enact. And we followed up with this person. Some of their restorative activities included walking, reading, and sauna. So I got an answer for this one. So First of all, the word activities is the first big flag because when you are in a state of burnout or reaching burnout, you're exhausted, right? Not just like on the low scale, but you're medium to high. Your nervous system is in fight or flight mode. It wants to go, 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 go. It wants to do, 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 right? So it's like, I've got some free time. I'm going to go into sauna. Sauna is good for me. I'm going to go read a book. Reading a book is good for me. I'm going to go for a walk. Reading, walking on a walk is good for me, right? It's like this frenzied self-care. Even if it doesn't feel particularly frenzied in the moment, what your nervous system wants is like, I want to go. I want to continue. I do not want to disengage from this mode that I found myself in. So Many of you know, I had a severe burnout experience uh, in 2013, and then I enrolled in a program with Urban Zen called the Urban Zen Integrative Therapy Training Program. And we learned how to not only work with burnout, but to actually work with people who were in the midst of panic attack, people who were in uh, like trauma zones. So like group people from my group went to like Haiti after earthquakes and did body work and Reiki and mindfulness meditations with people. Right. So like 
people that were in acute nervous system reactivity states. When I tell you that the tools that we learned were so slow and so boring and so quote unquote simple at the state I was 10 years ago, they drove me crazy. I was like, what are you talking about? You just want me to fucking lay there and put my hands on somebody like this is this is nothing right. It felt so, so slow. So fast forward, I am now studying somatic experiencing, which is like the industry standard, like the gold standard of nervous system regulation activity. And once again, the first weekend of my intensive training, I I remember messaging Rebecca and being like, oh my God, it's so slow. I'm going to lose my mind, right? Because I am also naturally somewhat of a go, go, go person. So what do we do about this, right? What I recommend when people are kind of in this boat where they're like, the self-care ain't hidden, yoga nidra. And for anybody who is a yoga nidra person, I know I'm dumbing it down. Like it is a sacred yoga science, but basically it's a guided nap. Okay. You put on an audio. It's not dissimilar from a meditation, but it is designed to guide you into a state of sleep or near sleep is really the goal. But the reason why I like this for people like us who want to do something and schedule our time and feel like we've been productive, right? Is that you can feel like you're doing something. I'm doing a yoga nidra meditation, right? I'm being productive. But when you lay down and the voice starts and your breath is being guided in a really slow, easy way, your body can't help but relax. Your nervous system is coaxed into the state of, right? It's coaxed there. It's Uh, It's such a beautiful practice because for people who say, I can't nap, I couldn't possibly just nap in the middle of the day. Guess what? I have a meditation I send my clients called the power nap, right? It's a yoga nidra meditation. They get to feel like they're doing something, being productive, but really they're just laying their ass down and their nervous system is getting out of fight or flight and into rest and digest. And that is where the real healing happens. The last thing I will say about this, because Self-care not being the cure for burnout is kind of like our thesis, right? It's like a big part of why we launched this course. If you are high-flying executive, parent, working person, busy, et cetera, and you really feel like you need support and help, the other thing that I recommend to my clients a lot is acupuncture. Acupuncture is a ancient form of energy healing that has millions of studies. If you're a skeptic, you can literally read all of the studies about how good acupuncture is for a million things, but very much for nervous system attunement and stress. When you go to acupuncture, they place the needles. You cannot move unless you want to stab yourself and bleed, right? You have to lay still. And the placement of the needles on your different meridians puts you into a state of deep meditation that like most people cannot get to naturally. And so it's almost like, you know, people nowadays are getting like liquid IV, right? You're getting like hydration sent into your vein. Acupuncture is like that for relaxation. And what's nice nowadays is that there are lots of clinics that do sort of sliding scale acupuncture, right? Like you don't have to spend a ton of money. It's not free, right? You could put a yoga nidra meditation on for absolutely no charge, right? For acupuncture, you can find a clinic that will do not too expensive, and it is such a powerful tool. All the other stuff that you've listed, walking, reading, sauna, those are activities. They're great activities, but they're not going to heal burnout. They're not going to they're not going to necessarily affect your nervous system. Now, a non-phone, right, phone-free walk in nature 
can have beneficial effects. But if you're really in fight or flight mode, I'm going to go with yoga nidra meditation or acupuncture to really de-escalate. And if you're someone who's scared of needles like me, some acupuncture places do offer baby, baby needles that are extra small, that are just as effective. So just to put that out there. Love that. Yeah. Fun fact. All right. The next question is, how do you talk to your boss about burnout? So the answer to this is highly dependent on the boss because there are as many flavors of bosses as there are flavors of Haagen-Dazs ice cream. And that is a <laughs> lot of flavors if you haven't counted recently, right? And work environments also differ. Like there are some companies out there who very openly prioritize employee well-being and burnout prevention. And then there are some companies who have said to us, like, we don't place to even know what burnout is, right? And so it really runs the gamut. So not knowing the particular situation of the individual who asked this question, I'm going to break it down into preventing burnout with your boss and then addressing burnout with your boss. So for burnout prevention, I would encourage you to actually work with your boss to create systems and processes and boundaries that reduce the risk of burnout like from the very start, right? And note that anything that you co-create together should not impact the quality of your work, your quality as an employee, and you should proactively point that out to your boss as well, right? So what might this look like? It might look like letting your boss know that you are going to be shutting, that you would like to shut down your laptop by a certain time at night. Is that okay with them assuming that, you know, you log on the next morning at a reasonable hour. Um, changing some of your sitting meetings to walking meetings, committing to unplug when you're on paid time off, um, plugging even five minutes between your back-to-back -back Zoom meetings so you can get up and stretch and go to the bathroom and take care of yourself, right? So again, when, when you're setting these boundaries with your boss in collaboration, you of course want to show them appreciation let them know that this is actually going to make you a better employee. And then I want you to proactively point out in practice how these boundaries have made you a better employee for your boss, right? Because at the end of the day, yes, they're your boss, but they also probably have a boss and their boss has a boss and they have a job to do for those people. So you want to keep that in mind. The side note is, is that if you are in a leader posi leadership position, you actually have the opportunity to proactively set these types of boundaries for your team and create a culture, even if it's just a microculture on your individual team where employee wellness is front and center, right? Ignoring burnout or burnout-inducing culture, it's not going to make it go away. It's not going to reduce it. So if you need a little motivation, <laughs> according to Gallup, companies with engaged employees, and engaged employees are those employees that are not facing burnout, are 21% more profitable and 17% more productive. So if you are a leader, it's actually in your best interest and in the best interest of your company and your bottom line to help your employees prevent burnout. All right. So what do you do if you're approaching burnout, right? Because these types of burnout prevention measures, you're not always going to be able to put them in place. They're going to be hard to keep. And sometimes they're just not going to work because burnout is not just caused by your job or your career, right? It's kind of this like 360 ecosystem. So if you're approaching or at burnout, I encourage you to be honest with your boss about what's happening and why 
in a way that does not place blame on the boss or the company, right? Because when you place blame, it causes people's, as Amanda said, their nervous system to spike up. And instead of going into collaboration, let me help mode, they go into defensive mode. And you don't want you don't want them to go into that place. So when you speak with your boss, I want you to come prepared with some suggestions on how, again, you can work together to address your burnout, paying special attention to bring the conversation back to whatever is your, your boss cares most about. So for example, Maybe your boss has put a lot on your plate. Someone just left the company. You're taking on their job. There's a big initiative that you're working on. I know some of our listeners have been there or are there right now and can relate to this place, right? But you know that you cannot do all of this stuff on your to-do list with the high to the high standards that you and your boss hold yourself to without it majorly igniting your burnout, right? So in that situation, like explain to your boss, you know, you have some really important projects and there's projects that are actually critical to the company's success. And you're excited about the opportunity to take them on. But you know that within this giant list that you have to do, there are things that cannot fall through the cracks. So can they help you prioritize the top three most important initiatives and then help you find ways to delegate or push to a later date? the other things. You can really nail those top three initiatives, right? Don't wait until you've hit a burnout rock bottom to talk to your boss. Yeah. Address it up front, work with them uh, to address it together and kind of like the burnout prevention, be gracious and point out to them as the days go on, how what you've worked to build is not only preventing your burnout, but benefiting you as an employee and benefiting the company. Love that. So the next question, I think we'll both give our take on this one just because they might be slightly different. So the question was, what is your take on changing jobs or companies to beat burnout versus working on yourself internally? And so what I would say here, this is kind of like the nature nurture age old question, right? Like, is it nature or is it nurture? What makes us who we are? And so my take is that it is 70% nature and 30%, well, I won't use nurture here, but 70% nature, 30% environment, right? So if you are somebody who is um, runs a little anxious, a little bit of a people pleaser, a little bit of an overachiever, right? You can find ways to burn yourself out preparing for a bake sale, right? Like <laughs> it's it, it's in us, right? And I say that with so much love because I was that person who was just like at 120% all of the time, right? So you should absolutely work on yourself first before you even consider changing jobs or companies. What you don't want to do is blame everything on your situation, your company, your boss, right? Because when you are in burnout mode, once again, we talked about this, you're reactive, you're cynical, you're negative, right? You're in attack mode, you're in fight or flight. And some some people are more fighty <laughs> than flighty. So you don't want that to be your first step, right? You don't want that to be your first step. You want to work on yourself first. However, there are certain types of jobs, there are certain industries, and there are certain company cultures that are more uh, conducive, right, to creating a culture where burnout is possible. And so if you are someone, and I've worked with people like this who just have these like 
exquisite zero fucks given boundaries. And like, they're the people that like are always on vacation, right? They, they clock out at 530. They don't give a shit. And they seem impervious to the, the impacts of the culture. I want all those people to go work at like Goldman Sachs or whatever, like work at the companies that are like really high pressure, really high stress because they can handle it, right? Once you've done some work on yourself, which is really what we're we're teaching people to do in this course, then you can start to identify, okay, are there things I could change in my role, in my company, in this job first, right? Change yourself, change the uh, the conditions of your current circumstances. And then the final step would be, okay, no, I need to change my circumstances. There's a, a lot of um, burnout uh, kind of, uh, jargon on the internet that's like, you know, it's never about changing your job. It's, if you are, if you're burnt out and you bring that burnout to another job, you're going to be burnt out. And I would say maybe, possibly, but but not across the board. Uh, you might go to another company where it doesn't push up against your edges and you are able to keep more of a better work-life balance. Or maybe you just have a boss who's like a little bit kinder, a little bit softer, right? So what I would say is, Changing jobs companies should never be first. It should be third. Work on yourself. Work on the conditions within your given situation, current situation. And then the, the third is, okay, this company, this job, this boss is setting me up for failure. And so I got to find something else. Amanda, you answered that so beautifully. I honestly <laughs> don't know if I have much to add. So let's go to the next question. All right. I'm, All I'm right. over here snapping my fingers in agreement. Sure. Uh, you know, I've been there. I've been there. I've been in the situation where like, is it me or is it the job? And most of the time it was me and then a little bit of the job, right? So I, I, yeah. I've been in like all of those scenarios. So yeah. if you need, if you're, if that's your question, come to me, I'm happy to give you more uh, specific insight. So, you know, one, one thing that I will actually add, right, is kind of a, a, a tangent to your answer. But if you do end up switching jobs for one reason or another, I cannot tell you how important it is to take time between jobs, even if mm. it is just a week to reset, right? Because if you are jumping from one job that's making you feel burnt out into another jobs in the hopes that it won't make you feel burnt out without taking space between, you are going to be bringing that frantic, disengaged, fight or flight energy into your next role, perhaps without even realizing it. And so whether it's a week, two weeks, more time, if you have the luxury of that, take time to reset your nervous system, reconnect with yourself, have a little fun, God forbid, <laughs> before jumping into that next role. Okay. And I have to add this because as soon as you said that, set your boundaries week one of oh, your new yes. job. And That's I don't mean you have to be like, uh, like rude and aggressive, but it's like, if you are somebody who wants to be able to leave the office at 530, which is reasonable, don't stay till 715 every night your first week because you're trying to like, quote unquote, make a good impression. Make it clear. You leave at 530. You crush it. You get in there. You crush it. You leave at 530. Because then no one will ever expect that from you. They will have no reason to expect anything but a reasonable exit time from you. But if you start out with real loose sloppy, I'll do whatever you say. Let me make me the martyr, you know, those types of that type of energy. 
that's that's who you are forever and ever and ever. It's like when you get a nickname at summer camp, like day one, like that's your nickname for the whole summer, whether you like it or not. So don't come in and be the people pleaser martyr because people will be very happy to keep you in that role forever, ever, ever. It's much easier to start out with boundaries than to like sneak them into your world later on. So the next question, oh God, I relate to this so much. I am afraid if I start working on my burnout, I will lose my edge. Is that true? And here's what I have to say to that, both from being in this situation personally and from coaching founder, CEOs, executives. If you do not work on your burnout, you're gonna lose your edge. Like you will, right? And that could be either because you are forced to take some sort of health-related break, it could be because you reach sort of a breaking point, or it could be because you get to a point where you are so overwhelmed that you start making bad decisions, that you start feeling um, like you're not good at your job anymore. I hear this all the time. People are like, I don't even know if I'm good at what I do anymore, right? Because they're just so overwhelmed. Or you become a horrible person to work with, right? Your employees start quitting, like nobody wants to be your customer, whatever. So if you do not start working on your burnout, yes, you will lose your edge. The other thing I will say is it is a uh, it's an antiquated belief that the person who is pushing the fastest and the hardest is the one with the most edge. I always say to my one-on-one clients that when I am in a good state myself, when I'm rested, when I'm energized, right, I am like a hot knife through butter. I get on calls and I crush it. I can write copy or, you know, I can respond to things, right? And my brain is sharp and everything I do is, I don't want to say quite flow state, but like in the like upper ranges of what I'm capable of, I'm a hot knife through butter, right? When I am exhausted, depleted, feeling resentful, I'm like, you know, when you try to spread a cold pat of butter on a piece of bread and like the bread's ripping and the butter's like completely useless and it's just like cold little chunks everywhere. That is a burnt out human trying to be an effective person at work, right? Energy is contagious. When you are balanced, regulated, energized, enthusiastic, people are like, fuck yeah, I want to work with them. When you are oh my God, frantic, coming into meetings, exhausted, stressed out, fearful, attacking, right? That's not an edge. That's just like being a psycho. So there's a difference. And no, if you start working on your burnt out, burnout, you will just become this magnetic, effective human being who also like, is it miserable? Bonus. The next question is, how do you tell someone else that you think they're burnt out? And this really depends on your relationship, right? Like if the relationship is with a family member, a sibling, your best friend, your partner, and you know them well, right? And you're comfortable with each other and there's a deep trust and history, you can proceed a bit more forcefully in how you talk to them about their burnout, right? Because you care deeply about them. The way they live their life may affect the way you live your life, right? So in that case, I think it's okay to be a bit more straightforward, but come at it from a a caring, loving place, not a place of blame, not a place of shame, not a place of guilt, not a place of you did this and now I'm angry and it's all because you're burnt out and I hate you, right? Like come with, come at it from a place of love. Know that if they truly are burnt out, they're probably in a pretty fragile state 
and may even be more likely to respond defensively, right? So come at it with, with compassion, with patience. Now, if this is a coworker or someone in a more professional setting, you probably don't want to approach them and be like, yo, you burnt out or what, right? You want to come at it from a professional place. So it's probably better to ask questions and let them know what you've been noticing and that you care, right? Like, hey, hey, Amanda, I've been noticing you seem like a bit more tired at work lately. Like, are you okay? Are, are you getting enough sleep at night? Are you working late? Is is there something that I can do to, to help you and relieve some of that stress, right? At the end of the day, especially people who you don't know well, but pretty much all people don't like to be told how they're feeling, right? How can you possibly know how someone else is feeling, right? And burnout is more than, more burnout, burnout is not a feeling, but there are feelings that go into it, right? Like exhausted, disengaged, unenthusiastic, unhappy, right? You don't want to go around telling people how they're feeling, but ask questions to help them arrive at that conclusion for themselves. And most of all, people want to feel seen and heard and know that there's someone out there who genuinely cares for them. So kind of regardless of the outcome of your conversation or your approach, if you can achieve that, then I guarantee you've helped them positively in some way. So the next question, <laughs> which I, I'm sure I'll start on this one. Uh, how many big burnouts have you both had before finding balance in your life? Oh, well, so I don't talk about the phase of my life kind of before the big burnout that I talk about a lot. Um, so in my 20s, I was working for Tau Group. I was a partner. I had a very, you know, senior position. Um, it was uh, a lot of ups and downs. And what I mean by that is I was probably in a consistent state of burnout, but the job was so exciting that it was really easy to ignore, push through, et cetera, right? Like not that many 27-year-olds are like holding hands with Beyonce and walking her into an event, right? Flying on a private plane to Vegas with billionaires for the grand opening of a casino, right? Like there were moments, I, I remember the moment that we opened the Dream Downtown Hotel. I was literally in a gold sequined floor-length dress with celebrities all night. And then the next day I like was physically unable to exist. Like my body had stopped digesting food. Like there was lots of like, there was lots of burnouts on the way to the big burnout that were, were easier to ignore because I was riding this sort of like adrenaline high. Right. Then obviously 2013, the big burnout happened. I took a year of sabbatical. That's when I studied many of the things that have become part of from burnt out to lit up tools from MBSR, which if you're not familiar, is mindfulness-based stress reduction. It's a program that is taught at the Harvard Extension, um, very like scientifically rigorously researched. That's when I became a health coach, meditation teacher, yoga teacher, et cetera. I often joke that that year was like my study abroad year because people go to France, study abroad for your year, and you're like fluent for life, right? It, it does something different to you where you like really learn the language in a different way I learned how to be a balanced and calm person in a way that most people don't have the luxury of doing. I literally moved to the Big Easy, New Orleans, and spent the entire year studying and teaching how to chill the fuck out, right? So when I came back to New York, to being an executive, to then becoming a working executive mother, 
to then becoming a, a, a mom the second time in the midst of a pandemic, right? I knew the signs early. I knew when I was reaching, I, I, I never even got close to a breaking point. We often ask our clients to rate kind of how they're feeling on a scale of zero to 10, because it gives you a nice frame of reference. I don't think I ever even got to a seven, right? Because there was such a strong knowing in me of the danger that occurs from seven, eight, nine, ten. 10, right? It is not a place you want to find yourself. And so I, you know, unless you count the burnouts that happened before the big biggie, um, I really only had one burnout. It was enough to like knock me, uh, knock some sense into me, so to speak. Um, so yeah, really just one and then learned the signs and was able to implement these tools, which is why I'm so excited to share them with you guys. So unlike Amanda, I never had like a giant burnout rock bottom breaking point. Maybe it's because I actually did my yoga and meditation trainings when I graduated college before I even entered the working world. Um, but, you know, for for me, I was always one of those people who rode my career, some some very high moments, but a lot of periods feeling like you know, I'm, I'm just okay. Like, I know this isn't it. I know there's something more out there for me. But what I really struggled with was the guilt of declaring that out loud to other people and making the changes necessary for myself to feel as bright and vibrant, as vivacious as I know that I'm capable of feeling, right? I was fortunate to have you know, a very enviable career. I had roles at companies like Mind Body Green in the early days. I had my own branding agency. I worked at Nike WHQ in Portland, Oregon. And kind of throughout all of this, people from the outside would always say, like, oh my gosh, you're you're doing what I want to do. You must love it. Right. Like when I when I worked at Nike, that's what people would always say to me. Do you love it? You must love it. And the answer was, you know, there's parts that I love. But I'm actually really miserable, right? I remember when I moved to Oregon to work for Nike, I, I interviewed for over four years to get that job. Like it was my dream. I thought that it was going to be my retirement company. And about six months into it, I found myself just crying on the couch night after night, thinking that I had made a terrible mistake. And so, you know, what I really want to communicate to people is that you do not need a sexy rock bottom burnout party story in order to justify to yourself or to anyone around you that it's time to make a positive change, right? If you are living life at a five or a six, great. It might be better than a one or a two, but why wouldn't you try for a nine or a 10, right? Why wouldn't you? Because you only have one, as Amanda says, one lifetime in this body depending on what you believe, right? Why wouldn't you do what's necessary to make the most of it? And what I actually found in reclaiming control of my life, in stepping away from the things that induced, you know, outside envy that I felt really guilty about stepping away from, what I found when I did that is that it unlocked for others the possibility to do the same, right? That when you have the courage to make positive changes in your life and stand up for your own happiness and stand in your own joy, that other people around you who you didn't even expect might say, oh, wow, maybe maybe it can get better for me too, 
And maybe there are some changes that I have the courage to make too. So yeah, no, no sexy burnout rock bottom over here, but, um, but you know, beating burnout is for everyone kind of regardless of where you are on that one to 10 scale. Absolutely. So the next question we got was how do you deal with burnout as a parent? And so, you know, all the tools that we teach are applicable regardless of what you're doing, you're working, you're parenting, you're working on parenting. So I put that out there. It's like, it's not different. The one thing I would add um, that is part of what we teach, but I think it can get a little bit neglected or overlooked as a parent is that there are so many moments as a parent where we can choose to either have fun or watch fun. <laughs> and when you're sitting around watching fun all day or even like policing fun, hey, be careful. Don't do that. Don't touch that. Don't touch that. Right? Like I found myself at the at this park with my daughter the other day. You know, it's been raining like crazy. There's all these muddy puddles. She wanted to take off her shoes and get in the muddy puddle. And there was like two, you know, they're, they're saying there's like two wolves inside of you. One wolf inside of me was like, don't get your shoes muddy. Don't do that. You're going to get a splinter, blah, blah, blah. And the other wolf was like, woohoo, let's hop in the money puddles, right? And so being a parent, uh, if we do not join in and actually experience the fun with our kids is really exhausting, is really grueling. But guess what? Jump in the pool, like play with the dollies, you know, like have fun with your kids. That's what's going to help balance out the tough parts with the joyful parts, right? You don't have to be the police officer all the time. Sometimes you can be like, you know, the little naughty child playing with them and, and get that joy factor out of it. Our next question, whenever I try to make time for me, other things creep into my schedule and I feel like I can't control those competing priorities. What should I do? So I'm going to keep this short because we've kind of answered it already, right? But I want you to set yourself up for success here. And I want you to be flexible about what time for you looks like and feels like. I've had clients who, you know, have been kind of distraught because they have kids or they've started a business or they've gotten promoted in their career and they no longer have time for their hour, hour and a half morning routine that grounded them for so many years, right? Time for you is going to look and feel differently depending on your season of life, depending on your stage of career. And that's okay, right? Like we said earlier, 5, 10, 15 minutes, if used wisely, is really all you need on a daily basis to make time for you. The second thing that I want to say is to take meetings with yourself as seriously as you take meetings with other people, right? Like if you're someone who is thinking, you know, my career is so busy, all these work obligations creep in all the time, literally go into your calendar and set meetings with yourself for that time for you and treat yourself like your, you would your boss, right? Ruthlessly prioritize you and that time. Like, Listen, there are going to be things that are more important than me time. Like if your kid gets sick and needs to go to the doctor, by all means, make that happen for them. But not everything is going to be more important than those meetings with yourself. And so, again, it comes back to that practice of honest reflection, ruthlessly prioritizing and being really flexible with what time for you looks like. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> okay. The next question. This is a little bit more of a serious one. So. I just feel anxious all the time, especially worrying about the state of the world. Does that mean I'm burnt out? So, you know, burnout is something that has a lot of overlap with different mental health concerns, anxiety, depression, right? But 
they are not, uh, it's, it's, you have to know that there is a difference between burnout and something that requires more of a therapist or a somatic therapist, a different tool to really get to the bottom of it. So I am someone who is a big fan of doing all the things. When I was in my early 20s, I took anti-anxiety medication. I needed it. My anxiety was quite acute. Um, I'm a huge believer in somatic therapy. That's why I'm studying it now. I've been in talk therapy, right? I've done all the things. And so if your primary symptom is anxiety, my hunch is that, yeah, you might be burned out, but the anxiety is its own thing. And you want to give that its own attention. You want to be sensitive to it. I would highly recommend trying different forms of therapy, right? Whether it's talk therapy, whether it's somatic experiencing, which is really great for anxiety because a lot of anxiety does live in the nervous system and in the body. So I don't want anyone listening to think that if I heal my burnout, all of my problems will go away. Healing your burnout will take like some of the pressure off of you. And when that happens, maybe, maybe your anxiety lessens. Maybe you have more hope and you don't feel depressed anymore, but it is, it's certainly not a guarantee. And it's something that we want to be really mindful of bringing up whenever we're talking about burnout is that we are not mental health professionals. We are coaches. We are mind, body, wellness practitioners. If you feel like you are leaning very anxious, leaning very depressed, Find a therapist that you love that will help you work through those issues and you can work through your burnout at the same time or whenever you and your therapist agree that it is the right time for you to tackle that. Thank you, Amanda. That's such, such, such an important answer and an important distinction. All right. The next question is, how will your course help me beat burnout? So I think we're both going to take this one. So I'll kick it off. We designed this course with three key elements in mind to help anyone beat burnout, right? Because we know that burnout comes in all shapes and forms, that all types of people experience burnout. And so we wanted it to be not only approachable, but also effective for anyone. So the first of those elements is that we designed this course to fit into even the busiest of schedules. All you need to complete this course is no more than 20 minutes a day right? And that 20 minutes does not have to happen all at once. It does not have to, have to happen at a certain time of day. It's totally flexible to you on how you make that work. And some days might only be five minutes or 10 minutes, but we want to set the benchmark at 20 minutes is the maximum amount of daily time that you'll need to dedicate to this course. And we know that you can make 20 minutes for yourself. The second element is that we designed this course to be very pragmatic <laughs> and walk you through step-by-step on how to beat your burnout. We know that if you're experiencing burnout, that you're probably in fight or flight mode, that your nervous system might be a little bit frenzied, and that, you know, while there is a time and place for the esoteric, this probably is not it, right? To dig yourself out of your burnout, we want to make sure that everything we're doing has a purpose, that it is very results-oriented, and that you are going to feel those results immediately because that's how you build momentum. The third element that we thoughtfully designed this course to include is that kind of like a choose your own adventure book, right? One solution to beating burnout is not going to work for everyone. Like, listen, everyone is going to need to ruthlessly prioritize. Everyone is going to have to make some somewhat hard decisions to make more time for themselves. But 
how you fill that time, what you take off your plate, how you approach your calendar, how you hold yourself accountable, all of those things and more are going to look different for every individual. And so in designing this course, we wanted to empower you with multiple tools, multiple strategies for you to kind of experiment and then notice what works and what doesn't work for you. Because beating burnout is a lifelong journey. This course is just the beginning and it will absolutely set you up for success. But it's also designed for you to go back and note, hmm, this really resonated. I want to do more of this or eh, that didn't resonate so much. I don't need to revisit it, right? So that one, two, five, 10 years down the road, you know what tools work and don't work for you. Uh, and then I'm going to pass it over to you. The only thing I would add is that, you know, I think people talk about burnout and they talk about work-life balance. And a lot of people think those are like the two opposite ends of the spectrum. You're either burnt out or you're balanced. And honestly, like that's boring, right? Like for us, it's not about balance because balance is elusive and it's always changing. And it's not like fun or exciting or something that would motivate you to like want to do anything really like, but being lit up, being excited, being enthused, being engaged, that is the opposite of burnout. So we will be constantly throughout the course in very practical ways, reminding you of the power of joy and engagement and play and all of those things. Because that is what is going to give you the motivation to do the things that you need to do to get out of your burnout. So it's not about balance or anything boring or like that. You know, it really is about getting back to a state of being lit up by your life. So our last question, uh, I'm just going to read what they said because it's funny. Cool. So the course is four weeks, then I'm back on my own. <laughs> Will you still be there for me? Maybe, right? No. The last week of the course is all about teaching you how to be there for yourself, how to hold yourself accountable, how to really commit to yourself. And the reason why we do that is because we don't want beating burnout to be uh, an event and then a dramatic solution to the event, right? That is not how you should think about burnout. You want to think about burnout the way that you think about caring for your teeth. It's boring, it's consistent, it's every single day, but it leads to amazing, shiny, brilliant results, right? Russian floss every morning, Russian floss every night. Maybe you throw in a little tongue scrape, little oil pull, right? But none of these things take a ton of time, but they become non-negotiable in our lives. We have to teach ourselves that they are non-negotiable. I have a seven-year-old. Let me tell you, if I didn't put the toothbrush in his hand, he'd be going to bed with a nasty, dirty mouth, right? But as adults, we know this is a non-negotiable and we know what could happen if we don't take care of our teeth, right? So we help you make burnout prevention a lifestyle so that you don't necessarily need us. Like, you know where to find us, we're around, but our goal is that you take this course and you don't need anything else, right? You can click back into it when you need to, but you have learned not only what to do, but you've created systems and structures that empower you to do it forever. Thanks, Amanda. So we hope you enjoyed this special bonus episode all about burnout. If you have more questions, you all know where to find us on Instagram at Full Plate Full Cup, on LinkedIn, Full Plate Full Cup, or you can email us directly, yes, at fullplatefullcup.com. And yes, that email literally goes to both of us and we reply. <laughs> We're always happy to give our insights and advice on this topic. And if you have questions about the course, we're happy to answer those as well. So 
That being said, if you are ready to deep dive and start healing your burnout, our Woo! online course from burnout to lit up is open for enrollment and it kicks off September 10th and is done 100% on your own time. Visit fullplatefullcup.com slash course and use code podcast, one word, all lowercase, to get $30 off. Thank you so much for joining us today and Thank we'll see you, you soon. Bye, everybody. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Full Plate, Full Cup. If you found this episode helpful, please make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share it with a friend. To learn more about the Full Plate, Full Cup methodology or to work with us in a more personal way, find us on Instagram at Full Plate, Full Cup. That's at F-U-L-L-P-L-A-T-E-F-U-L-L-C-U-P or online at www.fullplatefullcup.com www.fullplatefullcup.com